Welcome back to another edition of the Return the Picks podcast as Jazz tries to psych me out through the introduction. We're not playing this Steve game. Steve Perry. We're not playing this game. Unfortunately, I am stuck with just Jazz, myself, Ollie Wilson, Jazz Gillum, trying to make some money as oh, always thanks. off the NFL picks. No Dave Bluck at the moment this week. We will have a special podcast coming up later on in the week, which Dave should be present and correct for, but never count anything out when it comes to that man and his attendance on these podcasts this season so far. Much like you can't really count out anything that goes on in the NFL world right now. It's been a pretty mental week, Jazz, that we were chatting all about that with, uh, with as I say, a, a man who is no longer just a Sky Sports uh, reporter on the NFL, yeah. but now an NFL Network reporter. I feel so like I we've moved up, especially to be able to get someone like that on here. Yeah, pretty big. We, we, it's good. We're, it's big fish. We're, this podcast is flirting with some of the reporters from NFL Network now these days. Yeah. I think that looks pretty cool for us. You know, we've got cool. links to the network. Yeah. Maybe Richard Graves could give us some of his links to the network. They might. I don't might think that's going to happen, but, you know, we can, <laughs> we can always try. Can you imagine if he entrusted us with, like, I don't know, an email address to any sort of producer at the NFL Network that got him involved? <laughs> More fool him, I'd say. More fool yeah. him. I'm um, sure if we... it, yeah. <laughs> never gonna happen we did have richard graves on the podcast uh we got into loads of stuff we had to talk about the cowboys with him of course which was fairly painless there are a couple of jibes against philadelphia eagles but it's no worse than the gif he sends me every single monday morning when the when the cowboys win oh it's just what's that gif or jeff should we say the gif is uh it's one that he's made himself (laughs) and really yeah it's a desert suns uh sunrise backdrop and it's him with his head down. And then he uh-huh. slowly raises his head up and it's a big smile. And it's a cowboy's cap that he's wearing. And it's just, <sighs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's what I mean by ruining Victory Mondays, <sighs> even when the Eagles win at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, you wake up, you look, you check your messages. And that's one of the first things you see. And I still look at it every single time. Even though I see it, it says his name. It's not like I don't know it's from him or that I know, don't know it's coming. But yeah delighted to have him talking that we talked about the packers we talked about von miller and the la rams as well uh jazz gave us what he would get for a brady ball which wasn't too much anything else no i basically just give it away oh sorry spoiler alert (laughs) well you know that was housekeeping from like a week ago anyway that we meant to get into and never (laughs) did so that's fine we did forget to talk about the derrick henry uh injury in more detail but let's talk about it now quickly let's talk about it now sure I think Adrian Peterson might not be a very good replacement for for Derek Henry, but he'll be he'll be able to do something. I think that Jeremy McNichols will do very little because he's had five carries in the last four years of his NFL career. Mm. Um, So I think AP has been brought in to be the lead back there without question, and he looked like he had something in the tank last year at the woeful Lions. So with a decent offensive line, decent running game, decent scheme, a chance he might do something. What was it? Six to ten weeks for Derek Henry. Yes. So basically gets him potentially back in time for playoff football. They yeah. may they may still need him towards the end of the season in uh not in but the haven't given South. A, they haven't given like a hard timeline on it either. I mean we've seen before with uh metatarsal injuries ruining people's uh run ups to major tournaments and things. Sorry? Oh, just gonna carry on. I'm just gonna presume you're still talking. I am still talking. Alright, I got you. Got me now? I got you now. Yeah, it's all well, going to come. Good. It's all actually going to be fine on the podcast as well. It's my earphones that have just messed up. Oh, wonderful! So that's yeah. just going to be. Thought I'd ruin that for everyone. Yeah. People are like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Maybe just 
Jimbo just snipped that little bit out, possibly. I'll have no, we'll idea leave it, it in. Uh, we know about people having trouble. Okay, good. I like you leaving the, the crap in too. It's fun. Um, shame it's not funny bloopers, though. It's just really terrible ones no one really wants to hear. Anyway, um, metatarsals can, of course, cause trouble to people's preparations. We saw with uh, some people and roly ball, as Dave likes to put it, mm. many, many years ago. So it would be interesting to see if he can come back anytime soon. But I, if I was him, I'd focus on just getting better and making it correct because you don't want to have a lingering foot injury because that's going to ruin your ability to explode off that foot no but the tennessee titans they're going to win the afc south i imagine unless the colts come good which there's still a chance there's still a chance the colts could come good i don't think carson wentz is necessarily going to come good but the rest of the pieces will um the jags and the texans are obviously straight out of it so that division should be theirs at a canter so they don't Losing Derek Henry and getting him back for the playoffs is still fine as long as he is fit and healthy and ready to go and they're not pushing it too much. Yeah. Because th- there there's been a lot of discussion this week about, you know, Derek Henry already has the numbers for a Hall of Fame career and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, over, what, four or five, four seasons in the NFL, he probably does over the, just those four well, years. Back-to-back back rushing yard leaders, and he would have been that this year as well. He still possibly could be that if he came back in week 16. He gets, say, 400 yards in two games. Three games is a week 18, isn't there? He still could lead the league in rushing because he still would have, at that point, 1,200, 1,300 yards. God, that's insane, isn't it? Yes. And he can throw a touchdown as well. So you know. Yeah, that would mean I'd have the extra two points, but whatever. <laughs> um, but, but Tannehill's good enough and the offense is good enough. AJ Brown's just started lighting it up the last few weeks. Obviously, yeah. Julio Jones going there as well. Um, this year hasn't necessarily been the same impact, but I think it's having the impact now that they probably wanted, which is giving AJ yep. Brown a little more one-on-one coverage. They can have a lot of fun now with this team in the aerial attack. It's improved over the, the last three weeks or so a bit more consistently as well, the aerial attack with Tannehill. So it might be okay for them still, and they still might be good to make a run when Henry comes back out of the playoffs against some beaten up teams in the AFC potentially as well in the first few rounds of the play. We said as well with uh, with Richard Dimmey about the AFC flip-flopping. The AFC is a very strange conference this year. What with Is it good and there are teams taking games off each other or is it not great? Because you could look at it as the NFC's got, you know, four or five standouts at the moment on like six and one, That's seven killing and everyone. one. Yeah. And they're beating up on the, on the absolute rubbish. Is the AFC actually better than the stats, than the game margins look the win loss margins look at the moment because there's more good teams or teams equal to the better teams in the AFC things with more equality whether it's better than than the NFC for example I don't know I don't think so it's just strange you look at the Jets of two wins this year and they're both times they played the team that was number one seed the AFC at that week and they beat them with the Titans and the Bengals mm. and the week before of course the Ravens were the number one team and the Bengals go in and beat them so you just you don't know what's going to... I think it makes the AFC a much more fascinating prospect. At the start of the year, of course, we were talking about the Chiefs just basically there still to lose. But now it seems to be they're in an uphill battle to make it back to the one uphill. They'll still probably make the playoffs given the way it's going, but it's hard to say they definitely will. Mm. So I don't know who the front runner is in that anymore. I think the AFC North teams are the, the ones not to beat, but currently is the strongest division in that conference. With the Steelers, the Browns, well, Bengals, the Raiders. losing record, yeah. But you could say that about the AFC West at the moment. I mean, if you believe in the Raiders, which are five and two, there's kind of no reason to not necessarily believe in them right, right now. Yeah. Um, if you if 
you believe in the Chargers like me at four and three, and then Denver and Kansas at four and four, you could arguably say maybe not Denver. Denver, are they as good as the weakest link in the AFC North? Uh, probably not. No. But they might have been if they still had Von Miller, which we got into on the podcast as well. Uh, We're going to do a breakdown later on in the next week or so of the losing teams in the NFL and how they should be rebranded and stuff. We'll do that later on on the podcast. Let's get into, after the longest intro that we've ever had, the actual podcast. Uh, Jazz and myself, uh, joined by Richard Graves as well. Wonderful. Over the middle, picked off! Season fired, Blitz coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Enough of grinding my grapes. I do want to start with something that I meant to ask Dave last week. I think it was Dave last week. I can't remember which... Which one yeah, of us were doing? I wasn't here last week. Ah, there, yes. Jazz making his triumphant return. Um, <laughs> the Brady Ball 600 Ball question. Yes. How much should a fan get for In the theory, 600 actually, Ball? Actually, to be honest with you, nothing at all because it's not their ball. Well, it was Granted given the to players, him. So as soon as it's yeah, the passed to given him, to him then... but it's like this is not just a normal ball. This is not okay. You can have another game ball. Here's another game ball. Is not Tom Brady's 600 touchdown game ball. So if you're the Tampa guy who was sent there, oh, to I'd be talk- hold on to it. I'd be, I'd be, I've been gone. If I know what that ball is, I'm out of there. Oh, you want? Oh, it's fine. No, you, you can come and you can come and chat to my lawyer about it. We'll find out the value, and I'll take the value for it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Brady did say on that like Monday Night Football broadcast, he he made the comment of the stupid thing the guy did was give the ball back first and then start negotiating, which yeah. is quite savage for Brady to be like, <laughs> yeah, screw that fan, like. <laughs> yeah. He ain't going to get that much out of me. We didn't um, do too badly out of it, in fairness. We're just standing, standing in the stands and being lucky that Mike Evans gave him the ball. He got, what, a, a signed jersey or three thousand uh, or $2,000 in the, the, the club shop. Yeah, that's a waste. Um, some extra I agree from with Brady. What... And then he got a full Bitcoin as well. Which is, uh... I don't know if he got that or not. I haven't heard. Brady said he gave it to him. So I, I okay. believe Brady on that one. But I, 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 Yeah, he should have not. As soon as he was told what it was, he'd be like, oh, I'm going to keep it then. Wasn't it like you two, can't do that. two signed jerseys, a yeah. helmet, Mike Evans jersey, Mike Evans game cleats, and then a Bitcoin and the $1,000 in the store. Yeah. So $1,000 in the store is a waste. Like, yes. not even I could spend you know $1,000 in an Eagles store. Whitney Holtzman. Yeah, she'd do pretty well with that. I think actually. she'd do pretty Whitney. well with that. Yeah. $1,000 might not be enough in the Tampa store no. for Whitney, actually. no. No, Although I, I think she might ask, I saw on her Instagram, she met a guy at the last Tampa Bay Bucks game that she went to at home who had recreated the Tampa Bay Super Bowl ring in a giant hat, which oh, firstly right. looks like great and hilarious for five minutes. If you're stuck behind that guy, he's the biggest ass in the whole stadium if you can't yes. see if his giant ring hat is blocking him. But Whitney was kind of saying, oh my God, really want that, like on, on social media and stuff. So maybe she could get the buck shop to make one of those for her somehow with a thousand US dollars. That could be probably, her. yeah. But again, that could I, be think, her thing. I think the thousand US dollars thing isn't great in the club shop. Like I said, I mean, 
especially if you're getting two game-worn jerseys of Brady and a game-worn jersey of Mike Evans. Like, What else yeah. do you need? You've got a you game-worn jersey of Brady. Maybe you want Devin White jersey, you know? Maybe, maybe. Big big McGlendon as well, maybe. You know, give Whitney's... You could uh, get Steve McClendon's one, sure. You could also yeah. get Vita Vea or all kinds of other... The trouble is that team is so loaded with talent there's so many jerseys that would be fun to have. Yeah, that's true. So maybe the $1,000 is useful. If you're going to go buy, like, not the game jerseys, the, the stitched sub-level ones. Yes, yeah, so you're going to go for the yeah. premium game jerseys, you'll get like three more and that's it. Yeah, you could only... I think they're like 390-odd each, aren't they? So. Well, they're two and a bit. Two yeah. and one crappy one. Two and a foam hand, and that would be about it. <laughs> Most expensive foam hand ever. I gave Tom Brady his 600 ball back, and all I got was this foam this hand. fucking foam hand. <laughs> um, so that, yeah. Yeah, so I I, thought... I, I, yeah, it's a shame he gave it back, but you, you have to, I suppose in some ways, I don't think he knew the the kind of... Well, when they asked for it back, he must he have realised. When, when, when somebody from Tampa Bay comes across and says, like, we need that game ball back, we need it for Tom, you're holding it and you say, like, why? What? It, what is it? Like, what? Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. I, I would have been like, yeah, sure, here, here you go. I would have been giving it straight back because you're okay. none the wiser of what it is. What happens? Because obviously we know that Cam Newton loved to give a game ball out to a young kid in the stands. What yeah. happens there? Because I think the it's harder to take the ball off the kid. They, I think Temple really lucky oh, no. it was a grown no, man. No, no, no. No. no, if it was a kid, it's the easiest thing in the world. No, because it's easy. Kid... It's easy, yeah. because, but it looks worse. It looks worse, the game but at the same time, it the doesn't look hand. worse because of what the ball represents and what it is. Oh, I don't know. I think people would get on them for being like, I can't believe that you... And that £1,000 in the club shop, that's going a long way in a four-year-old's hands. Yeah, maybe. Oh, God. Or it's that's going the other thing. The, the four-year-old trying to negotiate, that's that's going to be a bad yeah. day. I want Mine. some M&Ms and <laughs> some chicken strips. <laughs> Wait, what? The dad's there like, no! No, you want a slush as well, son. Get the slush. <laughs> get, the, yeah, get, get them. Haggle them. Get a slushy. Get a slushy. Don't uh, sell yourself short. Yeah, I just... I, I think, actually, because he did ask... This guy who got the ball and then gave it back did ask for um, a round of golf with Brady on NFL Network when they interviewed him. And I think, at first, I was like, that's amazing. That would be the one, actually, that's the best thing to do to like get a round of golf in or something. But then... No doubt Tampa Bay or the NFL or Brady or whoever, they bring cameras to that round of golf. Now, yeah. do you want to be teeing off on a round of golf? Probably on a very nice course with Tom Brady with a lot of cameras watching you on the first tee. The first tee is bad enough anyway. That's true. I mean, if you if you back a golf game and you've watched him in the match, you might be thinking, I'll just put a little sideway joint and say, hey, hey, Tom, how about that 500 grand? What do you think? Oh, my God. <laughs> Stableford, Stableford, Tom, Stableford. <laughs> <laughs> We're not playing stroke play or match play. No, we do Stableford, thank you very much. No, skins, all the way skins. Yeah. So what would you have asked for? I don't know. I've, I've Honestly, I would have I would have been none the wiser and just handed it straight back. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'd been really annoyed that I had not known about it. Mm. Um, I think what Tom did with the extra of the Bitcoin was actually a really nice little touch because he didn't need to do that. That's a smart I, nugget, yeah. Wouldn't really care about the game worn jerseys because I don't really want sweaty jerseys to be quite frank. Mm. And I don't know, maybe mean, they were signed rather than game worn. I can't remember. Signed, okay. I mean, game worn. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't get why people buy game worn stuff. As I don't have a fantasy of smelling the armpits or the crotch of someone's game jerseys. Well, or I think like a white Bucks jersey, if it's got a bit of the like the Super Bowl of, logo paint oh, yeah. on it and stuff like that, then that's quite cool. Because then, but it has to be yeah. from like a big game. It can't just be a dirty jersey. Like that's yes, that's less not impressive. Like yeah. Um. So I, 
I think I would have just asked for not very much, to be honest. I've been like, so what are you going to give me for it? If I'd known about it, I was like, well, you can't just take it off me. I mean, that's unfair. Is it something you can try and replace it with? And then they would just come out with the offer that they did. Again, going to guess. Mm. I don't think the guy had much negotiating power based on the fact that he no longer had possession of the ball, like we said. Yeah. So they probably said, here's our offer. It's this or nothing. He's like, I'll take it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, once you, as I say, once you've given the ball away, there's... See, there's I would have I would have said... I, I don't know what I would have said. I probably wouldn't have. But in my, you know, <laughs> hindsight... In your infinite wisdom of looking yeah. back and see what you would have done... I, I would have said, I'll give you the game ball back after the game. We'll meet and talk about it on the field. And I'd have kept hold of it during the game and then got them to get me down on the field after the game and then you've got time in the stands with your mates to start planning what you should ask yeah, for yeah, yeah. you're still holding the thing that they want and then it can like be it. like buying a little bit of time for yourself but you can't spill any like beer or get ketchup on that game ball or anything like that because then it gets kind of ruined a bit it gets sullied because the nice thing i'm sure was like brady would have wanted number 600 to be for him with like just after the receivers caught it so it's not been tainted by anything else like if he was real ocd the fact that even a fan touched it might have really irritated brady like you've tainted this this number 600 <laughs> no fans touched this super bowl ball no fans touched this but this has been disturbed by a member of the general public Ugh. <laughs> and of course you could just if he's got car keys on him, he can threaten the ball with the car keys and say, don't give me my stuff. I'm gonna, don't come, gonna, don't come near, break the don't ball. come near. I've got it, I've got it. Yeah. Puts in a kind of a headlock under his arm that like he's holding it as a running back. susceptible at that point right there. Tom, maybe yeah. we should just try it out. Yeah. Try it out, try it out. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I was just interested what you did. Yeah, what I, I, I think that guy did well. To, I think getting anything is fundamentally great because he, he did nothing for it apart from stand there and be lucky. Yeah. So the fact they gave him anything lovely people yeah yeah he did well out of it in the end yeah I, I, rather than the round of golf i think a meal with tom brady would be nicer but then you get I into like larry it. david the territory trouble that like... though right is that if you have a meal with tom brady you're gonna have to go somewhere that only serves kale and organic pressed smoothies mm. now i'm not trying to bash on that as an idea i just don't think that would be very fun not only that if you're in like a say it's a one-to-one -one situation you just don't, actually literally don't get along with it that's a lot of time sitting around with not very yeah, much yeah. being said. Yeah, what if you're not... No, like, he's probably really personable and amicable because he knows probably, how to interact with the general public. He probably is. What happens if this guy isn't? Oh, if the guy's a dick. Yeah, that's but Actually, he, he thinks, I'm having lunch with Tom Brown. I'm, I'm really nervous. I'll have a couple of beers before I get there. He gets a bit tanged up. and he's gets a bit, loaded. Yeah. Hey, and, Tommy, Tommy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, have some kale, have some kale, you fucking loser. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is how I think it would go for a lot of people. Mm. So I don't think that, I think a round of golf is better because you're still spending time with them. It's still sociable, but also you're not spending all the time with them. I want Tom Brady to do me a barbecue at his house. So I get to turn yeah, but it's up, gonna be have a barbecue. Kale, you're gonna have kale. Why do you That's want fine. kale? You're on you're on his ground, so he's comfortable. You you're gonna get his private chef cooking you like whether it's kale or whatever. It's, he's still gonna do some really nice stuff. And Tom's smart enough to know that it's probably good to get some stuff for you as well as a normal human being that isn't on the T12 TB12 diet. So his private chef will probably sort out some really sick chicken wings and stuff like that for you. A really nice barbecue, maybe some filet on the barbecue. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, I'm thinking here. The finest of all the barbecue meats. And then 
you can have that and you can leave then at any point and Tom can ask the guy to leave if it gets really awkward at any point or anything like that. The only trouble would be if the guy doesn't, it refuses to leave and Tom really wants him to leave. Yeah, that's a problem as well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know where I live now, so don't come back. Yeah, you'd have to move house if he was a psycho. Yeah. Florida man yeah, refuses to leave Brady House. <laughs> Stages a hunger strike in the Brady household. Yeah, I think that's something we could just keep using, by the way. Just the Florida man thing. Florida or anything man. that gets wild, it's just label it Florida man. Yeah, well, it's yeah. an easy thing to do. Is Henry Ruggs a Florida man then? Oh, it's terrible that. What a I dick. feel really, I feel really sorry about. It. I yeah, it's it's stupid. It's just sheer stupidity. But it's a it's a young stupid mistake. The trouble is when you kill someone, um, nice. and we obviously you can't even imagine the loss for the the family on that one. But there's no other option for the Raiders but to release him. And I I wish he didn't do that, of course, as everyone else does, because I think it's just such a waste of life for the person who died, of course, but also potential talent in Henry Ruggs. Yeah, but the Raiders I mean, had no other choice, really. They had to release him because you can't. If you don't release him now, he's probably going to be convicted of that DUI um, cause yeah, of death. Doubt. Which I'm sure you said the on the on the WhatsApp group it was two between to two years in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. So it depends how over the limit he was, and if he's very over the limit, it'll be a lot more years than two. And that, yeah, it's that's the end of his career, isn't it? Really? Were they on a bye week last week? I don't remember the Raiders playing. I think they were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I mean it. It's a shame because, like Rugs, Rugs wasn't necessarily like that big a player. He was very much the Raiders type of player that they draft. As in, yeah. he's really fast if they get him open on those deep routes. But he did have that moment last year against the Jets, obviously on the last ditch. And the fling. Chiefs last year when they beat the Chiefs, he was the he was the reason for it. The big big long deep balls. Yeah, they out they out Tyreek tilled them with Henry Rugs. With Rugs, yeah, but. Ruggs was also not quite... He wasn't as good as 90% of those round first-round picks that were taken. I mean... No, but it's just speed, isn't now. it, at that point? Yeah. If you're wearing but, a, uh, a low 4-3, you're faster than 99% of the league, if not more. But it's just, it's just so dumb. I mean, you can't even say anything more than that in terms of, like, drink driving is obviously... Driving under the influence of anything is obviously really stupid. Um, yeah. And to be, what, 22 years old, drink driving when if anything happens to you, everyone's going to know. Is this, this isn't like getting, I don't mean this to like excuse him or anything like that, but is this part of the, I mean, I always had the fear of the Raiders moving to Vegas and you stick kids in Sin City. You put them in situations that are possibly not quite as advantageous as they should be. Well, it's just, we knew giving kids money, putting them in a city that's filled with debauchery and Nevada in general, let alone Las Vegas. Like, it's just asking, it's not asking for, for some this trouble. to happen. Well, it's not asking for trouble, but it's, trouble. Just, it's, it's potential trouble, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, young kids, loads of money, booze everywhere. Like, yeah, it's just... I mean, the Raiders are already City. having a bad enough it's time. Sin City for it, yeah. I mean, with the Gruden stuff too. Yeah, and now they're going to have to deal with this. I mean, it's a smart move from the franchise to just get rid of him. They can't keep hold of him. No. I mean, like we said, at that point, there's nothing you can do about it to try and make it better. There's nothing you can really improve upon. It's very much a case <laughs> of once you have that level of um, felony, there's only one way it's really going to go at that point, and that's 
yeah, unfortunately, a pro jail sentence, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. If they find him guilty, it has to be a jail sentence. I mean, he has, like, tragically killed somebody. Yeah. And it's his fault. He's rear-ended a Toyota. It looked like a Prius, but it's a apparently it's a RAV4, according to their initial police reports that came out yesterday. I think the RAV4 stand up quite well against a, a Corvette. Yeah, except that the, the picture I saw was the Corvette mangled at the front and the whatever other car looked like it had exploded. Right. Like it looked like it had burnt up. So I don't know if that was before. Obviously, we don't know. We can't really speculate on stuff too much or anything. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just it, it's unfortunately, considering all of the kind of interesting news that we've had this week, it's completely awful. Like, I yeah. know we probably probably shouldn't have even brought it up, really. But uh... <laughs> no, I know. I mean, on that on that topic, though, as well, I mean, you're a man that's been to the States quite a lot. Um I've always found it a bit strange that people I've been with in the States have always had a bit of a different idea on drink driving. No, drink driving would. is so much more acceptable, it seems, out there. Yeah, like, I mean, I, if, well, if I'm driving, I'm not, I'm not having a single drop of alcohol. I don't, it doesn't touch my lips. I've, they, oh, I've had four beers, that's fine, I'll just drive home. It's like, I've been what? in cars with friends where they're hitting a bong at stoplights. Yeah, as they're See, driving. that's an issue. It's like... And like I've been out with friends and my buddy's like, oh, no, we'll drive back. It's fine. And I'm like, dude, we've been drinking all day. Like we went to a hockey game and we were boozing all afterwards and everything like that. And then it's like, no, no, no. I mean, Bill Burr makes some jokes about it in one of his specials about how being a drunk driver in a car park is like being a rock star. Yeah. Of you're walking out of the bar, and you're like, no autographs, no autographs. And people are pulling at your shirt and being like, no, you can't. Gee, no, <laughs> you what can't are you doing? Do like, no, no autographs. <laughs> I'll be back next week. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, and that's like the, obviously the lighthearted way to look at it. But it is a different culture in the US. People, it really because is. Because you then... can't walk as like, is easy. I mean, no, Uber's been such a game away. changer. Everything's very far away. Yeah. Uber's been such a game changer, I think, for the drink driving attitude. And like people will it's been so adopted by us culture that they will just take an uber but not everybody does lots of people still have a few beers and and drive like i used to walk like a mile and a half when i was um in california for a couple of months like a mile and a half up the road to go and get drinks or i'd drive there and leave my car at the bar and then go back the next yeah. day or something still like a that. half hour walk yeah it's just, i mean it's a solid like little trek up the road and stuff it's not yeah. obviously a mile and a half isn't that far to go but also, most a lot of the roads maybe don't have pavements as well. That was the other thing. Like, you get to yeah. a lot of pavement places in the US where there's just no pavement to walk on. And it's like it's not yeah, designed for pedestrians. No, not no, at all. No, so I, I just, just I thought that I'd, I'd bring that up because that's one thing I've, I've found with my time in the states that they seem to have much more of a. Oh, it's fine. That's like, well, well, it's not fine because what happens? You get caught. Oh, I won't get caught. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, like the bars were calling out where the DUI stops were on the way home oh no yeah so like I, oh, I, was, Jesus. I was in one bar where they said be careful <laughs> if you're going down i think it was jamboree jamboree has a dui stop set up and it's like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing you're i mean i know the bar wants people to drink and everything to make their money that evening and then they can make some tips but like why are you it's just responsibility though isn't it you should, i think people who serve alcohol like that should have a shared responsibility in what's going on to some extent that if you know if you know someone's driving i've granted this means you have to have people register that they're driving or whatever and stuff like that but i'm sure i've heard of stories here where people have um, given their keys to the landlord or the the landlady of the pub or whatever so they know that they can't drive home because their keys are there and no matter how drunk they get the person behind the bar who has the keys will never give them to them 
that's kind of what they need to do or have it where oh you, you're driving okay here's free soft drinks no no questions asked yeah you could almost run like a tab service where like you give the keys yeah. to the barmaid and then she basically puts a little notch on a card that's attached to your keys every time you get an alcoholic drink and if you have too many or whatever then see ya the keys back yeah yeah. But then that requires the person to hand over their keys. And it's and, a nanny state kind of thing as well. And I yeah. completely get in reality, that's never going to work. However, in, I just think America, there should be... Need yeah. some freedom, you know? Yeah. Have that you, freedom. you imagine the riots in the street if they had that. Imagine the people in Texas, they're all Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Florida well, man, riots in the street because he can't drink drive anymore. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame yeah. looking at it from an NFL point of view. It's another thing for the Raiders, obviously, and it's bigger than the NFL, but... It's a it's a shame as well because like as you say, rugs not having an exemplary year at all, but still a pretty important part of that Raiders offense. Well, he's the reason why lots of them kind of get open underneath. That's how I think Renfro does so well because they're scared about rugs taking the top off. Yeah, yeah. Which is the reason why obviously Kelsey is amazing as a tight end. But one of the reasons why he's been so successful is because they've all been so scared of Hill taking the top off that there's so much space underneath until they realise that just don't give them space underneath and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be no, interesting not, to see. That's cause... a very cheery topic. Or at least we changed it on to something a bit less of a well, cheery topic. Well, we want to talk topic, because uh, I'd love to talk could, about Von Miller. We could talk about injuries, or we could talk about the trade deadline. Let's uh, talk let's... about trade deadlines. More fun <laughs> than injuries. Okay, um, uh, just quickly, so Von... Watson hasn't got his move to Miami, so we can just he's nip not. that in the bud. Thankfully, he's stuck in Texas. Reap what you sow, and screw. Well, he's you, stuck in Texas happens. until January. Yeah, so but March, screw you sorry, until whatever happens go. with the investigation and stuff like that. But for now, he's not getting like an out by getting to go down and be in Miami and become a Florida man. So that's good. Uh, yeah, Von Miller to the LA Rams. What? I mean, that Rams, that Rams defense was already pretty sexy. You yeah, think about I mean, it. You have an st- absolute stud in every level of the defense now. I mean, if, whether you mark Von Miller as like an outside linebacking pass rusher or... A down oh, yeah. or a DM yeah, yeah, yeah. but you could argue you've got Aaron Donald's a stud in the defense. You've got Divine. an absolute weapon in the uh, in the linebacker corner of Von Miller if you're having him as an outside up man, and then you've got Jalen Ramsey as well. I like no surprise yeah. Jalen Ramsey was like licking his lips on Twitter or whatever and just being like, "Oh my god," because as we saw with Philadelphia in the Super Bowl run and loads of great teams with awesome defensive lines. That makes the job for the secondary a whole lot easier. And if you've got two people now, one on the edge and Aaron Donald up the middle, there's going to be so many gaps elsewhere because you're not going to know who to double cover. And there's Leonard Floyd on the other side who's done very well just with him and Aaron Donald. So you've now got, if you have five offensive linemen and you've got, let's say you've got two D linemen, one of them's Aaron Donald. So you've got a double team on Aaron Donald. You've got another D lineman interior to block. So that's three of your D line taken up. You've now got two out, two tackles. One on Floyd, one on Miller. Granted, you can have a tight end chip on Miller, but mm. given how fast he is, you just can't see how he won't meet Aaron Donald in the backfield quite regularly, as they both just cause havoc. Yeah. Granted, again, like all things, it sounds great on paper. And in fairness, with the NFL, when it's positional, just beat your man. It's far easier for the paper to transcend into actual sport and reality, but it doesn't mean it's always going to work. So the Rams are really taking a bit of a a bit of a flyer on the season based on obviously having got Stafford and thinking, well, if we get one more piece on this defense and get our pass rush even better, then we might stop teams from scoring. We might be able to chase down the Kyler Murrays, the Russell Wilsons, the potential Trey Lances, the Aaron Rodgerses, the Mahomes. Granted, Brady's just going to stand still, but 
that's an easy target to try and get to. So you've got a lot of ability to beat a lot of your contenders and rivals along across the whole league. So given how well the offense is clicking, if they can keep doing that and the defense, I'm sure, will come even more alive with Von Miller, it's hard to look past them for for February time, isn't it, really? I mean, 100%, obviously, that was a team going to the playoffs anyway. I, I Oh, yeah. Still, I don't know. The, the offense is something... Like, I'm loving the Stafford to Cup thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we know that. Yeah. Uh, but if you lose Cooper Cup, that's very big for the productivity at the moment. Because Stafford, it, like, Cup is just the OG's go-to guy for Matt Stafford, who's used to being in awkward situations and throwing it up to a reliable target for a fair few years in the NFL, obviously, when he was with the Lions and with Megatron. Very different receivers, obviously. That was Kenny but... Golladay, in fairness. I think Kenny Golladay did very well with Stafford too. And the run game is fine and it's enough it's to not keep stellar, people but it does honest, but they could do with if, another tight end to be honest. If you I don't take, really rate Higby. If you take Cooper Cup out of it, right? Cup has been targeted twice, almost twice as many times as any other receiver. He's got almost twice as many catches as any other receiver. He's got 63 so far. Robert Woods has got 38. Tyler Higby's got 30, and then Van Jefferson 24. But Yeah. Cooper Cup's got 10 receiving touchdowns this year, which yeah. is more than the next four receivers, uh, which is just over under, sorry, more than the next four receivers combined. Well, his season's team. going a bit like Derek Henry's season was before the injury, <clears throat> which, of course, we'll get on to that in a second. More injuries. But, oh, yeah. I, I yeah, didn't even write it's... that one down. I forgot about that as well. Oh, well, there you go. That's killing my fantasy teams, of course, that's strongly <laughs> in my brain. Um, but they were both having, him and Derek Henry both having stellar seasons and statistically possibly on course to have the best ever seasons in their positions. Mm. The question of Cooper Cup every year is, can he stay healthy? Yeah, which, again, if you're talking about if they lose Cup, does that offence change quite a lot? I mean, I think it changes quite dramatically, to be honest. And that's a problem. That's... Yeah, but it's the same with when most teams are one injury in certain positions away from having lots of things go down and change. Yeah, Most teams I mean, are a quarterback injury away from changing and being useless, apart from the Jets. Yeah, and thankfully, I know Stafford's obviously had his shoulder problems and everything in his career, but the one thing you know is that Matt Stafford can take a hit and get up because he's got very yeah, he used to being down on the deck. And he can play through times. pain as well. I'm sure he played for a year or two with his shoulder being in Yeah, it was really bad useless. before he had that, so yeah. Yeah. But is it too big from the Rams as well? Did they need to do this trade? Because... They were already a really good team. And part of me thinks, like, you know how the Bucks had the framework last year and it just took the first two-thirds of, of the season for it to come together? Are the Rams, yeah. were they in that similar position where actually they could have just let things try and settle? They didn't need to add another component because in terms of, like, you look at their potential future now, like, it's this year and then you're going to have a lot of problems, I imagine, and I'm... I haven't done the research, not going to lie, of, you know, cap problems, having so many big players on that roster, people wanting to get paid, especially if you win a Super Bowl. Is it like this year or bust? Or At the same time, if you just have it with... Well, let's pause on Jazz for a moment because let's get a real, <laughs> a real expert a real who's, insight. who's just joining us on the line. Delighted to say that a man uh, formerly of Sky Sports NFL coverage, but now... 
I like to call him the man of the shield himself, Mr. Richard Graves, the cooing cowboy fan who is loving this season, joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Rich, we're just talking about the Rams going all in on this season uh, by bringing, obviously, Von Miller in the uh, trade deadline and everything. And I was just asking Jazz the question, is it too much from the Rams... I know it's only two second round picks that they've ended up giving away to the Broncos for that. But is it too much for the Rams when actually a bit like the Bucks last year, they could have just waited a bit of time for it to all start gelling together rather than just putting another explosive thing. And we're doing this like in now, this is it. This is now or never. Let's be honest. It's way too much for the Rams to give up. <laughs> but their philosophy is completely different to what we've been told is the only way you can build a successful team in the NFL. They've basically said, forget the draft. Draft picks aren't the way forward if you want to win a championship right here, right now. We're going to trade them all away and we're going to get the players that are going to deliver us a Super Bowl ring right now, this season. We're all in. So on the flip side of it, for the LA Rams, you get uh, a guy who leads the NFL in sacks since he entered the league. What is it, a decade ago now? Um, Is he past his prime? Yes. Is he still in the top 80% in terms of pass rushes and disrupting um, offences. Yes, he is. The the real bonus is that I think they're only having to pay him $700,000. The other 9 million is still being picked up, but by the Broncos, the the Broncos are the other side of the coin, of course, whereas they've said, look, we're rebuilding. Give us the draft picks. We're going to do it the traditional way. Here's the bottom line. If the Rams win the Super Bowl this year, then everybody there, Les Sneed, uh, Sean McVay, they're heroes. They've done it their way. They've delivered mm. the championship. Yep. If they don't, then boy, watch out two, three years from now down the line because they have no draft capital whatsoever. They have no foundation to build a team on. Those are going to be barren years. It's a really interesting dynamic that's going on with the Rams, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Absolutely. I think that their idea is let's take a proven commodity and let's get rid of the lottery that the draft can be. I mean, we've seen so many players bust and become useless or not panned out as they should have done, even in the highest draft picks that they're taken. So I, I like it. I agree with you that they're kicking the can down the road with some potential issues. But as you said, if they win this year, they'll look like heroes completely. But at the same time, they could always then trade their future draft picks again for more players and carry on the kind of carousel as they have done. So we've said for <laughs> the years that this is going to be an issue for them after they traded their picks away for Jalen Ramsey. And now they've traded them all more away for Matt Stafford and more away now for Von Miller. So they have- Well, yeah, but hang on. Look, look at what they've got in the 2022 draft. I think they have one <clears throat> compensatory pick in the, the third yeah. round. And then is it, is it a fifth round? fifth and a seventh. That's your lot. And you look at the roster, the way it's designed now, it's on the premise that you've got three star players on defense in Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald and Von Miller. And then it's really a a hot pot of what else can you get elsewhere? If any of those players go down injured and season in, season out, come late October, November, early December, that's when injuries happen. If any of those key players go down injured, it's over. And that's the gamble that they're taking. Apparently, they've also factored in the four compensatory picks they might get as well, which might be four extra sixth rounders, which we know are not really worth a great deal, but that's still extra bodies. And how many of those often make the final 53 after training camp? Yeah. Well, exactly. So, like I say, it's a fascinating way of going about it. If they win a championship, they're all heroes. If they don't, well, 
watch out. But uh, told you so. Yeah, for sure. You have to look through the draft. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wild. I do. I think I agree with Jazz on the. I mean, the Rams have never really drafted terribly. Like I've just just quickly pulled up their their last first round picks, and you know, Jared Goff. Okay, not maybe the smartest decision, and everything, but Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, Alec Ogletree, Michael Brockers, going back to twenty twelve under Les Snead. Like those are the first round picks that that stand out, and there were others. Only two kind of didn't really hit that big. They haven't had a first round pick since 2017, though, after that, which is wild to think. I mean, that's Philadelphia Eagles style boring for uh, LA Ram fans going into the draft. But I do like the idea of taking away the lottery for proven commodities. I think, well, do you think it's perhaps a knock at Les Snead or just the way that maybe McVeigh wants to go with dealing with guaranteed talent as opposed to putting Possible. a wing and a prayer on a on a potential star it's an nba philosophy isn't it we're going to go with proven talent as you guys have pointed out there's no guarantee that just because you have a high-end number one draft pick in, that you're going to hit just look at what the cleveland browns have done and the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> over the years you know um <laughs> if, if you don't get it right boy you get it wrong so mm. They've decided to turn it on its head. They, they've decided that they want a championship. Now, they are all in. <laughs> There's no other way of, of dressing it up. Um, and that's why it's fascinating, because it's bucking the trend. Yeah. You know, the traditional thoughts in the NFL are that, fine, you might have your star players, a quarterback, wide receiver, running back. But essentially, you've got to hit on your second round and third round and fourth round draft picks, because they cost you nothing. And that's how you fit everyone under the salary cap. Like you said, the Rams have said, no, no, we're not going to risk draft capital. We're going to spend it on proven commodity players. <laughs> that that's comes with a cost. Um, and like I say, that, that's the real upside for, for the Rams in this particular trade because they're not really paying anything to Von Miller. The, the Broncos said, well, we'll take on his salary for the remainder of this season, but we want the draft picks. So they're going the traditional route. The Rams are going, um, doing it their own way. Uh, and that's why, why it's fascinating tail because if they get it right you want you know the nfl is a follow me type of league if somebody yeah. does something different you know younger co head coach is successful great we'll go to college football and we'll get a, a 30 odd year old head coach well they'll follow suit in in this as well so sit back and enjoy because one way or the other it, there's going to be profound repercussions yeah i mean, I mean the question is where i've been sorry you go probably Oh, no, no, Jazz, if you've got one more to follow up I was just going to say, I wonder how the players in the Broncos dressing room feel too. That, that's really just saying, oh, we've given up on the season completely now. Not that they're that far back, really. They still could do something because it's still quite early, but it seems like it's, well, that's it, guys. You go on holiday, just play for a bit of pride. We have, we've at least won a game or a few games this season, so at least we're not going to end up completely beaten. But it just seems like now there's less of an incentive from the coaching staff to make sure those players perform to their best so they get the most out of those draft picks as well. Well, it's a little bit surprising, isn't it? Because, what are they, 500, 4 and 4? Um, yeah. It, you know, they're, they're still in the hunt for, yeah. for the playoffs because the AFC isn't as strong at the top end as, as the NFC is. It doesn't exactly send a message to the rest of the roster saying, we're in it to win it right now, guys. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they react. Look, from the outside looking in, like I said right at the top here, it strikes me they're in a rebuilding mode. Is Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback to take them forward? No, nothing Stop tells gap. me from... The, yeah. yeah, exactly. From what the mm. message has been sent out, you'd say that they don't think 
he's the quarterbacks to, to take them forward. You get rid of, of not only your one of one of if not your best player over the last decade, but a real leader in the locker room as well. You only have to see the videos from Von Miller himself uh, and the way the organisation um, sent him off with, on social media and, and so on. The messages that came out to see just how how highly he's rated up there yeah. in Denver. It, it, this is a one of those that, that rips the heart out a little bit. So yeah, frankly, if you're asking my opinion, this says to me that they're already moving on and looking forward. And yeah, what did I say it. about Elway as well? Sorry, yeah. I keep I keep breaking. No, no, it's all good. Sorry. It's all good. I wanted to go but with on Elway, Elway giving away the the keys to the house almost to the 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 spiritual leader of the team, and obviously having troubles finding any quarterback that hasn't been Peyton Manning since he's been there. He's got to have a bit of a hot butt now as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's had troubles. He just flat out has failed to find a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outside, Maybe I was putting it politely, sorry. <laughs> you know, you, you look at Paxton Lynch. They went to Trevor Simeon initially after Manning went. They've now got Tre- um, Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke Lock. failed. You know, the, the, the list just keeps going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe he is effectively handing over the keys because <clears throat> he hasn't been able to find the answer. But he will always be able to say that he got rings as a player yeah, and he okay. got rings as the GM. The general manager. Yeah. And he's now stepped away as GM. So you've now got 10 draft picks, which if you are a believer in sourcing talent from the draft, you've got 10 draft picks for next year where you can completely rebuild. Or you can go and take Mr. Lion COVID himself, Aaron Rodgers, in a giant trade deal, which is what some people are kind of saying is what Denver are planning to do is they're stockpiling a load of draft picks to make a big push to try and trade for Aaron Rodgers, which, I mean, Denver, uh, Green Bay might kind of want him out themselves at some point soon because he's been quite a nuisance for them this year. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I like Denver trying to rebuild properly. If, if they're going to rebuild, like let's rebuild big, like let's clear house and build the foundations up. You can build an offense around Jerry Judy, surely. I don't see Aaron Rodgers going to Denver, whether he's in Green Bay or not, next year. And if the Packers go on and win the Super Bowl, he's not leaving Green Bay. You're not allowing your MVP quarterback, who's just won a second championship for your organization, to walk out the door. Can you imagine the reactions for that? Yeah. You know, and it's an interesting thing on um, NFL Network this morning, just looking uh, at Aaron Rodgers and the way he's been through the first seven or eight weeks of the season. It his problem isn't with the players in the locker room or mm. the coaching staff. It's with management. Yeah. Now, if you iron that out and they have success, hey, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Rogers is still a cheesehead next season. Um, would he go to Denver? I'm not even convinced that that's one of the names on his list right now. Yeah, the team isn't good enough. There's not enough talent around it. If you then get rid of Von Miller, then one of the biggest factors on the defense is gone. So it's more of a holy defense than it should be anyway take him away, there's there's nothing to support him. So he'd be in a worse situation than he would be in Green Bay. So why would you change that for for the Packers? I just don't get it. I mean, he likes the mountain air and the the easy country life, and you can get that in Denver. <laughs> he can he can literally be the exact same Aaron Rodgers in just the Colorado Rockies instead. It, it'd work out fine for him off the field. On the field might be a little more difficult. Off the field, he has got a problem, though, because, I mean, just in the last few hours with this news that he's tested positive for COVID-19, and that he hasn't been vaccinated after saying that he was immunized. And some people are saying, well, he never said he was vaccinated. He said he just had an immunization and that could have been anything rather than a COVID-19 vaccination. But there has been quite an outpour of frustration and a bit of disgust, particularly from some NFL journalists, that Rogers lied about this 
And he's going to be obviously missing this Thursday night football game coming up against the Arizona Cardinals, which could potentially be without the two star quarterbacks in this game going into it, which is weird to think because that was the, you know, let's let's have this this showdown. Well, it's time for Jordan Love, isn't it? You know, people <laughs> oh, always like to draw, draw similarities, don't they? And you look back at Brett Favre and he went down, was it in 2007, um, on a trip to Dallas and Aaron Rodgers, and name that not many people outside of Green Bay were, were that aware of. He came in, I think I'm right in saying that Dallas won on the night, but Aaron Rodgers played well and gave him a real scare. Now, what do we know about Jordan Love? Again, like Aaron Rodgers, first round pick i don't know an awful lot about him he's had a couple of years in the system now you know matt, matt lafleur organizes his <clears> offense <throat> to take the pressure off the quarterback they i suggest they're going to rely heavily on the run game bit of play action if jordan love slips into that against this chief's defense who's to say he can't can't get the win regardless of who's on the other side of the ball i, I think it's a, an interesting matchup I think there, there are interesting dynamics going into it now. Um, and it, there could be interesting repercussions as well, depending on how it goes. It, it's an intriguing one for sure, and one that I'll be watching closely. Yeah, Do you I'm know an if idiot Devon as well, Adams by the way. Because that's not Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football is a terrible game between the Jets and the Colts, which Colts. is very, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you made the, the Chiefs or the Cardinals. I mean, yeah. when yes. we when we discuss what we're putting money on this week, I might be buying into Mike White a little bit after that Jets. Uh, and maybe maybe <laughs> I'm just not buying Carson Wentz being like the 11th ranked quarterback in fantasy or something like that. I'm, you know, I might be a bit bitter and twisted about that. But uh, but yeah, Jets Jets Colts on Thursday night is not one I'm probably going to be staying up for on uh, 1 a.m. or midnight. I suppose it will be half 12 in the UK for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know if Devontae Adams is going to be available for that game as well? Because he was on the COVID list from last week. Not yet. I, I think yeah. on average, the path of the course is about a week, isn't it? So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how Devontae Adams comes through that. I haven't seen an injury report coming out of Green Bay um, today. He certainly hasn't been activated as far as I'm aware um, from the, the COVID list. So, so yeah, that's another one to, to keep in so mind. If, you, if you're missing him, I don't care how good Jordan Love is. I don't really like their chances because... Aaron Rodgers can elevate the wide receiving talent around him, but Jordan Love needs all the talent around him to play as best as possible to have a chance to succeed in that game, from my point of view. Mm. You're not feeling the love for Jordan Love. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> well, and um, and Alan Lazard as well, who missed out last week because of the same reasons, because of COVID. And oh, yeah. like, if they're missing him still as well, and you take Rodgers out of the equation, it, it becomes an almighty... I mean, this might be a one for the Chiefs defence that ends up being like a let's rectify and turn around this really dodgy season that the, the Chiefs have had because it's not it's not been pretty at all. And Mahomes great. is getting banged all over the place. He's having to walk out of games at times and he's you know throwing picks left, right and centre. However, is... those picks aren't really his fault a lot of the time. <clears throat> they're all they go into his receiver's hands and they they're fumbling it. Like the one against the Giants on Monday, it fumbles, it goes up into the air like a like a high ball in cricket and there's this guy just waiting for it perfectly. It's not it's not on Mahomes that one. Yeah, I don't want to become an apologist for, for Patrick Mahomes, but <laughs> when was the last time you saw so many interceptions bouncing off players' hands, bouncing <laughs> off their chest, bouncing off helmets? I, I'd love to say that Patrick Mahomes has been unlucky, but boy, he hasn't had the bounce of the ball on a lot of those turnovers this, yeah, this season. And you've got to believe that it, it's got to change at some point. Now, Rich, I want to ask you a couple of things because we had a quick chat about 
well, there's two big topics I want to talk to you about, and I don't know which one to broach first because one of them I'm not going to enjoy, and the other one, you know, it's not necessarily about the on-field action. But I would like to to get into your London game experience as working for the NFL, working for NFL Network. You popped off on social media with the fish and chips. Ver- was it fish and chips versus scotch egg debate or something like that? Which Colin it, it Wolf was. got involved the fish and in everything. Chips versus the humble scotch egg. I mean, <laughs> what was that? Uh, well, it was a turn that I wasn't anticipating. Shall we say that much? Um, <laughs> it, it it started as just a, a standard early morning in the states live cross, twenty four hours ahead of the game with their Good Morning Football weekend show. Colleen Wolf presenting and she happened to mention right at the end of the live cross that when she was last over here um she got to discover the scotch egg and loved it well for anybody that knows me I, i'm not a fan of the scotch egg at all oh, really? in any way shape or form <laughs> oh. cold hard-boiled egg wrapped in sausage breadcrumbs it it just doesn't do it for me so it, in the intervening hour between uh live crosses uh, there was a, a supermarket, well-known supermarket brand, just outside the stadium at Tottenham. We went down there, got a pack of four Scotch eggs, also a fish and chips shop. I'm a big fan of the fish and chips, especially mm. with scraps on, which oh yeah, down south, I, I've got to say, people don't quite get, but <laughs> yeah. you haven't really lived unless you've had fish and chips. I completely on, agree. To be honest about that. Uh, so so we, we decided that for the next hit, unbeknown to Colleen, I was going to produce the Scotch egg. Well, she loved it. Um, I I brought out the portion of fish and chips. She was insistent that Scotch egg is the way to go. Suddenly it hits social media. Which camp are you in? And it went viral. And <laughs> from a weekend reporting up on a regular season NFL matchup, which I thought was going to be the centerpiece of my work for NFL Network, how wrong I was. It was suddenly all about the Scotch egg. Is it is it slightly frustrating? Because obviously I saw loads of the clips that you did and. and- you know, it's always upstanding work. I mean, I always rate your work really highly, Rich, not to toot your horn too much. I know, obviously, with everything I going on with the Cowboys, the head continues to grow day by day <laughs> with enjoyment around the NFL. But, um, but like, it must have, was there a little bit of frustration of, like, you, British guy on NFL Network is, I think you said, actually, when we were talking about it, it's a, it's a big thing. You know, you want to show the American audience that you can go just as heavy on NFL facts, stats, and statistics and be as just high quality as any of those NFL Network reporters. And then the big talking point afterwards ends up being <laughs> trip to trip to a supermarket and a chip shop. <laughs> oh, look, no, I, I think you've got to be able to have fun with these things uh, as well. And as important as it is to be professional uh, and on point, yeah, you know, have a bit of personality uh, about um, these hits uh, and show a, a different side. You know, that, that's the type of program Good Morning Football Weekend is. And I thought that was just as important um as regards uh the the role of working for nfl network yeah i I think you're right i can't recall too many british reporters being on the channel before fewer doing regular season games and i I guess a little bit like uh if we had an american reporter over here covering a premier league game the audience might be a a little bit skeptical so you've got to be a bit cleaner probably a um a bit more on it and there's less room and less margin for error uh because of of those perceptions but i've got to be honest i kind of enjoyed that because it's a test of yourself and your own professionalism as well and look it it went well it was great working with rich eisen and the crew equally Kay adams on good morning football and peter schrager and, and kyle brandt as well it was an absolute blast 
Uh, and it was a, a little bit of an eye-opener as well to see how organisations cover sport outside of, of the UK, and more so with it being the, the national game over in the States. So, yeah, look, we had a great time. It was a great experience. Uh, and touch wood, we'll, we'll be doing more in the future. Hey, that's, that's great, man. When I get the franchise over really... here, it'll be Graves outside Tottenham Hotspur Stadium <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> He'll have the jelly. He'll be running short on condiments and food, so he'll have jelly deals to go to Good Morning Football with for the next thing, and have to taste them on air, which will oh, bury him as a northern legs. reporter. There you go. So, just on the Scott Jeg thing. So, what about warm Scott Jegs? Just freshly baked, nice runny center. Still not a fan of that. Well, I, I've never come across warm Scott Jegs. I, I will confess, um, I, I've only ever be, had been the... privy to the humble cold Scott Jeg. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to rule it out right now, but you're not selling it to me. Well, I'm, I'll tell you now, it's, 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 it's night and day. I mean, it is night and day. I, I would <laughs> strongly recommend next time you go to any sort of pub that has a scotch egg on the menu, that's a decent pub, of course, not Weatherspoons. try it and see what you think. And if you don't like it, tell Ollie, and I'll give you the money back for it myself. <laughs> so you're expecting me to willingly go in yeah. and order a warm scotch egg well That's if you if you're there say you're there with a so you're having a family meal <laughs> and it happens to be a scotch egg on the menu just order it as well as the rest of the food you're going to have and just try it and see what the as family thank you you might like it you know yeah. Yeah. yeah often often a starter as well rich you know i mean yeah. they have gas they have gastro pubs north of north of birmingham don't they i'm sure seen them can you be more stereotypical <laughs> oh believe me there's plenty more in the back pocket just in case don't worry about that <laughs> but it's it, it's not worth facing the repercussions because we should probably talk about the dallas cowboys and the dakless dallas cowboys <sighs> getting a victory over a toothless minnesota vikings and i will try and take the wind out of your sails by saying that this says more about what the vikings are about at the moment than it does about the dallas cowboys to some extent Oh, look, let, let's make no mistake about it. I think that seat which Mike Zimmer sits on right now is red hot. I agree. If, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this, this season, he's gone. There, there was a school of thought that wouldn't have been surprised to hear on Monday that the Vikings had parted ways with, with Mike Zimmer. You, you can look at this season and say, well, but for a missed field goal as time expired, they should have beaten the Cardinals. They lost to the Bengals in, in overtime. Yeah, that's true, but they also only narrowly beat the Detroit Lions. They only yeah. beat the Carolina Panthers in overtime. Every game they play this year, somehow, some way, they find a way to take it right down to the wire. And when you look at the personnel they've got on that roster, they should be better than what they are. Um, I'm not going to overlook the Dallas Cowboys as much as you'd like it to, Molly, because that would just be unfair to you, quite frankly. Uh, I, I think for, from their perspective, it's a win that, does them a ton of confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you you sit your starting quarterback, you play a guy that's had three snaps all season, and none of, and none of those did he attempt to, them to pass. I think you have to go all the way back to 2017 or something to find the last time he, he attempted a pass in a regular season game. And he leaves the team on a 70-odd yard drive in the final two minutes, 51 seconds of a game on the road to win. Absolutely brilliant. Even better, the reaction of his parents as well, who were there in the crowd. I, I want, though, to concentrate on what it says about this Cowboys defence. Mm. Because right at the start of the season, I said if Dallas were to be successful, their defence had to be at least average, you know, yeah. middle of the pack in the NFL. And I think through the first six games of their season, they were. There was a lot of highlight plays, Trayvon Diggs with his interception streak. Um, 
but the, the question mark for me was still there because I still saw teams getting chunk plays and but for mistakes could have perhaps put more points on the board. I think going into Sunday night's game, Dallas were still shipping 24 points a game on average. Uh, and so this is a time when your team's got to stand up because you're down your star player. And wow, did this Cowboys defense stand up to the test. You limit a team with the likes of Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins to just 16 points on yeah. their home turf. And that's without getting a turnover, by the way, as well. I think Cousins was limited to something like 180 passing yards. Mm. Dalvin Cook didn't get 100 rushing yards. Micah Parsons absolutely lights out. Uh, yeah. Named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of what I'm seeing from Dan Quinn at the moment because I think he, along with Aidan Durder and the uh, coaching staff that have been brought in this offseason, are clearly putting their prints uh, on this Cowboys defense. They made some transactions through free agency. Again, they went all in on the draft. First six picks, I think it was, were on defensive players. Something like eight of 11 went to defense. Um, you add somebody like Carlos Watkins as well. Um, yeah, they, they've done brilliantly. And then the, the one stat, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Ollie, that I wanted to bring this up just because it made me smile. Through the first six weeks of the season, three of the top 40 NFL defensive players in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback were Dallas Cowboys players. Oh, really? Micah Parsons. Yep, that, that's right. You had Micah Parsons, Randy Gregory, both in the top <coughs> 10. And then at number 40, no other team had three in the top 40. But number 40, the little-known defensive tackle, Osi, Osa Odigizua. And you know what's special about him, Ollie? Tell he me. was selected in the draft with the pick that your Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> gave Dallas to trade up ahead of them. Oh, I love wow. that stat. Oh, I love that too. You know what? Interestingly, I was really... though, there's no Demarcus Lawrence in that stat, though, is there? Oh. He's only played one game all season. Oh, has he? Uh, I, I've, I've been watching this Cowboys yeah. enough to notice that. He, he he played against the Bucks and then went down with with an injury. Um, he's missed the the last seven weeks. I think that oh, there's okay. a hope that he's going to be back back on the practice field in the next couple of weeks. But uh, again, you, you see, you mentioned no Demarcus Lawrence, no Tristan Hill. No Neville Gallimore. That that's arguably three of your first choice defensive line that are going to start games. I've yeah. been out for pretty much the entire season, and yet the likes of Carlos Watkins, also Diggy Zua, um, Basham, these guys have stepped up and, yeah. and uh, have been good enough for, for Dallas. And again, that that's why I attribute so much credit to Dan Quinn and his coaching team. On that Jazz, stop saying things because he uses that to twist it into more positives for the Dallas Cowboys and I'm not enjoying listening well, to Well, I would also whatsoever. agree that I completely agree that Mika Parsons is a brilliant player. I think that watching him in the first couple of weeks, he was all over the place. If there was a run play coming, he was already there. It was a pass play play and he was already back in the right spot. He seems to have a very good knack for knowing what's going to happen before it happens, whether that's game film or just he's lucky at what he guesses and just an absolute yeah. athlete. I, I think we all knew about his athleticism. Yeah. Easy for me to say, it's the athleticism <laughs> coming out of college. Um, what, what we didn't know so much about was how quickly he was going to adapt to, to the pro level. So impressed against the Buccaneers. He then gets forced into emergency defensive end week two of his NFL career against yeah. the LA Chargers and has a key sack against Justin Herbert. And then, then interestingly, over the last few weeks, you hear from him that he wasn't happy with, with his play. And so some, another move that, again, from a coach staff, went a little bit under the radar this week in Minnesota. They took the green dot 
off his helmet. So he was no longer the defensive player tasked with um, tra- yeah, passing on the, the defensive calls um, on that side of the ball. They gave it to Jaron Kirst, and that allowed Michael Parsons just to go out and play. Played in his normal role of linebacker, and he was just immense. He was yeah. everywhere against the Vikings. And, and it's just sideline to sideline um, speed, his ability to diagnose, diagnose plays uh, and get there and make the play. Da- Dallas might have stumbled on a player there because yes. they weren't taking Micah Parsons um, on that draft board. I'm convinced they were going cornerback. The top two were gone. They trade down and end up with, with Micah Parsons, who may be a perennial Pro Bowl player if he plays at this yeah. level all the time. I agree. Do you, do you think some players do just need that responsibility taken off them to give them that freedom? And uh, like you know, we talk we talk about some people being given leadership roles. It elevates them. Uh, you know, naughty kids at school for crying out loud. We, there's, there's an example of you give them a bit of responsibility of handing out the milk, and they suddenly become a little better behaved or whatever. I don't know if they do milk in schools or not, to be honest. But um, but there are players that will have that as an opposite of take that green dot off me. Don't make me be the one giving the calls. And then I feel a bit more pressure to be changing things at the line with what I see or anything like that. And instead I can just take the commands, know what the call is and I can just play free with a little less pressure. Do you think that that is something that happens to some players? It's definitely something that happens to some players. I am reticent to say that's the case with Michael Parsons. We, we forget he's a rookie. So you come in, it's a big jump anyway between Mm. college football and the pros. So you have one game and all of a sudden, because of injuries, the the team are saying, look, we need you to play out of position at defensive end. Traditionally, how many defensive ends come out of the draft and uh, make an impact from week one? Demarcus Lawrence, you've just mentioned, he made a few plays in the playoffs of his rookie season, but ultimately it was season two before you started noticing him. So he switches to a position he's not necessarily familiar with, makes plays. He's then asked to move around. He's given the responsibility of running in place um, and relaying them to to the rest of the team. And I I do wonder whether it's just a case of maybe that was just a little bit too much, too Mm. soon. So you you just draw back a touch and say, right, okay, you're still adapting to, to the pros level. You just go out and play. You don't need to worry about the responsibility of making sure everybody else is in the position and, fulfilling the assignments they need to do on defense um if that is the case hey look it worked on sunday night yeah i mean you can run a parallel set with cricket as well granted not the sport we're talking about mostly here um but like the england cricket captain whenever they've had decent batsmen given the captaincy their average always drops because they no longer just concentrate on just what they're doing they've got to think about everything and there's more meetings there's more media there's team selections they don't have as much time to practice so i think that can make a big difference to to that too in terms of how people's responsibility can change their output on the field yeah sure and the play that really stands out for me that michael parsons made on sunday night was it matterson who'd come into the game in relief of dalvin cook and he yeah he gets a, a short pass in the backfield and you look how far away parsons is when that play begins and the closing speed and he, he tackled him i think for a three four yard loss hmm. well if you've got a player who's capable of doing that from linebacker then you're in business. Yeah. Okay, so the NFC is stacked quite heavy at the top with some pretty, to put it in a slang term, some pretty studly teams about there at the moment, Rich. Are you, as a fan, you're obviously all in on this Dallas Cowboys team without a doubt, and, and there is the why not our year. But if you're, who are you most worried about? If you're looking at Tampa, 
maybe New Orleans. Obviously, the Rams particularly now, the Arizona Cardinals, and you've got Green Bay as well. I mean, that's a lot of big bodies with some elite level talent in those rosters t- to get yeah. through to it's a it's a hard road whichever way you go through to to get to a super bowl yeah and, and that's why i think getting the number one seed in the nfc is going to be hugely significant not only because you get the bye week which in a new expanded 17 regular um game season i think is important as well but because then you have home field advantage against this caliber of opposition that could be conceivably the deciding factor. I'm going to upset a few fans here, no doubt. But for me, and it is only a personal belief, I think watch out the Green Bay Packers. I think this is a a, a season that just has the makings about it from where Aaron Rodgers started. Was he going to be traded? He stays with the team. They now look like they're, they're having fun. Okay, week one was an anomaly. They've now reeled off, what is it, six straight wins, which is the, yeah. the hottest streak in the NFL now, I, I maybe it's the Arizona Cardinals, but I just can't be sold quite yet on what they've got going that it'll stand the test of, of time and longevity. Um, the LA Rams, hey, look, if they're able to to start every player that they want to and they're healthy and fit, then they may That's be great. the team to now make it back to back playing at, at home Super Bowls, but. I, yeah, I like the Green Bay Packers. I like them a lot. Um, and I think they're they're arguably the team to beat. Uh, as far as the Cowboys go, uh, I think one of the reasons you see Cowboys fans and hear Cowboys fans getting so hyped is because they haven't had many teams that have been had this sort of record at this stage of the season si- since the 90s. So, hey, you, you reel off five straight wins, you're six and one. You see a, a defense which is holding its own on top of the the flashy offense, yeah, you're going to get excited. Mm. But it, like I say, it's a 17-game regular season. There's a lot of football still to be played. Just Plenty of time to try and get to nine and eight. You're doing exactly. the exactly. Ad- Jason Garrett is adversity. <laughs> you're doing the adversity bit now. You're getting that out of the way. You know the Dak injury, obviously last year, the not having him last week as well. The the defensive injuries this year already. You're, you're forcing that team building momentum gaining adversity to the early part of the season and still winning games so in theory well, i hate well, to say it could only get better thing. You, you know you, you look at it now and expanding to a 17 game regular season that that in itself takes a toll and i do sort of wonder how far we go before teams start looking at, at certain games and thinking well maybe depending on how everyone else is doing in our divisional conference we can afford to give one or two of our star key players a, a break because right. it it's a long tough physical road uh, and I, I'm not you know it's not that long ago after all that it was only a 14 game regular season well now yeah. you're playing 17 games you you've got to look after these players if you don't get that number one seed then you've got four playoff games if you want mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl up on top of that um, so yeah look it was enforced on Dallas obviously on Sunday night that. Um, they, they sat Dak Prescott. But again, here's the thing. If it's a playoff game, I don't think anybody questions the fact he plays. I think Dallas looked at the NFC East, decided, big picture here, guys. We're, we're going to yeah. just give it another week. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's the best case scenario for, for them. Not one many people saw happen. Yeah, it's, that division's over. <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it is. Utterly the Giants, pointless. the the, uh, the football team and the Eagles are all doing terribly. Yeah. So, you're only trash. two games out of 500, Ollie. Have you given up? 
Ooh, great. Ollie gave I... up before the season began. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I'm, I was over Jalen Hurts last year, let alone Nick Sirianni gets a season and even that I'm struggling on at the moment because I do not understand <laughs> well, well, his on, football. On Nick Sirianni, I think this is the burning question of this week's podcast. What sort of flower or plant are you, Ollie? Oh god, I forgot you were going to ask about this. I forgot that one. Uh I'm a rose because you know I, I, thorny. I, I look really I look really great. I smell good, but I'm really nasty and sharp on the outside, just a little bit below the surface for sure. <laughs> Softer on the inside. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Up top for sure, definitely. <laughs> that was that was very bizarre. That yeah, I don't, I'm all I mean, for people having strange weird. metaphors, but that was very bizarre. Kelsey's mick take of it in the post game breakdown as well. It was like, That's not what you a, want to see, is it? Yeah, it just didn't look good. But I, I mean, I was saying to Rich in the week, I'm not even sold on Sirianni's like impassioned speeches. There's no like intensity yeah. to them. It feels really like, oh, th- he's on. got notes. He's got a cue card with them on. I mean, it doesn't reek of playing off the emotions of the moment. It reeks of exactly what I always said about Carson Wentz. Of Wentz was a QB that would say the right things because that's what a quarterback should say. And Sirianni seems like the head coach version of that. It's like, why are we doing that again? Do, do we think... Do we think he's going to have another T-shirt printed up when they play Dallas at the link? Oh, I hope not. That's it. You can't create and force those sorts of narratives. I know the NFL loves to do that. Like, you know, the Bucks yeah. under Gruden had pound the rock and all that kind of stuff. And those things come out in the America's games. And obviously the Eagles through the playoffs, they had the dog heads and everything like that. But if when it feels too forced... It doesn't work, and I think it completely has the opposite effect. I'm not saying the T-shirt was the reason we got pumped by Dallas. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons why that happened, as you've explained all the positives of Dallas, and I've bemoaned the Eagles throughout this year. But I do think, like, you need to be a charismatic leader. That doesn't, that isn't something that's forced on a team or anything. That's something that grows throughout the season, and I think that's why I'm worried about Dallas because there is that adversity that you can grow from already and really build that that sense of chemistry in the same way this thing with green bay i think with with the covid cases with adams out with rogers out this week with possibly lazard out that this could be a blessing in disguise the adversity the falcons had in london yeah. without without their receivers and now ridley's gone and pitts has to step up there are things like that that organically create a narrative in football and you can't force it and siriani's a forcer he's a mother forcer i tell you <laughs> well on carl pitts as well i'll just pick up on that because it, Every year, there's at least one player that comes out of the draft that's hugely hyped, often overhyped. I think Kyle Pitts is the real deal. Yes. Mm. Yeah, to, to do what he's done over the last two or three weeks, I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here. I think he's going to be the tight end in the NFL for the next decade. And that clutch one-handed catch against the Dolphins, needing <laughs> to get some yards, and then he gets the splash play to keep the drive alive. Yeah. Insane. But Absolutely. also, now he's dealing without Calvin Ridley, which, again, after these last two weeks, you feel far more confident for Atlanta about that. And that's that's such a weird situation. Like, Ridley not travelling, I presumed for the London games that that was maybe a, a vaccine, vaccine issue or something like that, that maybe he wasn't yeah. going to be able to get in the country because of it. But there's obviously something bigger going on. And, like, if he feels like he needs to step away, you definitely should. And yeah. he hasn't really caused, like, a big kind of hoo-ha about it. He's just written his press conference and stepped away but it's so surprising to see that coming in from a guy that had so much talent and showed so much talent as well I mean the world was his oyster going yeah. into this year yeah and it, it highlights as much as anything how little we know about 
individuals aside from what we see on a, on a Sunday afternoon on a football field yeah. as well. And pure, purely from a footballing perspective for the Atlanta Falcons, you know, we all wish Calvin Ridley the, the very best, hope he gets the um, attention and treatment that, that he needs it and he's able to come back. But right here, right now, from a, a football perspective, having just seen your, your star wide receiver demand a, a trade out of the organization and Julio Jones goes down to Tennessee, it, it, you sort of look around it and say, well, it, it couldn't have, you know, it couldn't have come at, at a worse time. So Carl Pitts steps up. You've got Russell Gage as well as a slot receiver. Other players will, will have to step up and we're going to have to see what Matt Ryan can do as well, because the Falcons are still in the picture for a wild card spot. But if they're going to make it, Matt Ryan is going to have to lead this offense. They're not going to make it, Rich, as a oh little spoiler alert. <laughs> I was about it. to say something nice, because we've got bloody Atlanta Falcons linebacker Brandon Copeland coming on Jazz on Friday. So, yeah, let's be nice about the Atlanta Falcons at the moment, and then <laughs> we can talk about realistic. these issues with I mean, it. If you ask Dave, who's obviously a diehard Falcons fan, he'll tell you exactly what he thinks. He thinks it's not going to happen. So, I like I like as well, Rich, I... you used the, the phrase in a footballing sense, because we've already used that phrase a couple of times when we were talking about the Henry Ruggs thing, and you do need, there are things that you look at from the footballing yeah. side of things and obviously the bigger picture, and I think that's something yeah. that's important to, to stress on so we don't end up digging ourselves into an absolute yeah. Yeah, massive... Dumpster massive fire. hole at the moment yeah yeah an eagle season well, no, no, style the, hole yeah the, the, this is the, the thing about the nfl no matter what happens the next sunday quickly comes a, around the corner and, and you've got to deal with it um yeah so in, in all these off the field instances yeah you you know your heart goes out to families you, you hope that individuals um get the, the best attention that that's out there and, and treatment but there is still football to to deal with as well and that's what these organizations that you know the raiders with henry ruggs the falcons with uh, calvin ridley this is what these organizations have to deal with they've still got to get a team prepared and ready to, to play on sunday yeah rich we've uh, we've taken up about 45 minutes of your evening already it's champions league night i know you need to get away and check the championship scores as well as a good-hearted northerner i'm sure you're you're very eager to see what lower level football is doing and seeing what the factory boys are up to this evening as well so uh, we'll we'll let you get away it, it, it's mate. all about huddersfield town right there they, they, they got another point last night up to fifth in the championship now can you believe that aren't you doing sheffield united tv anyway mate you shouldn't be spouting this off surely <laughs> <laughs> hey look come saturday afternoon i'll be all about sheffield united SUTV oh. live if you're interested streaming oh. from 2 p.m and the podcast as well rich that's been doing quite nice as well tell us quickly about that before you go yeah, that's a new venture this season. Graves on Gridiron. Um, obviously, you guys have got your podcast, the various other NFL podcasts out there. So it's a case of looking for where, where's the niche in the market. And obviously, this season, the NFL has embraced the whole um, gaming philosophy. So I decided, well, we'll put these years of experience covering the NFL to some use uh, and see if you know as much as you think you might know. So the concept's simple. Every week, I look at the slate of games and pick three of them take the line that's been set by the odds makers and then I break it down and decide whether it's wiser to take that line or go higher or go under over or under should I say uh, we've done quite well I didn't do week one but we've done every week since 14 and 7 is the record um, I won't Pretty lie good. I fell fixing to the uh, to the week of the backup quarterback as well last weekend having taken <laughs> yeah. the Bengals to cover that was looking quite good with about 10 minutes of the game Left yeah. to play but wow did that turn around so yeah 
Greg's on Gridiron. Uh, you can find us either wherever you get your podcasts or at www.gravesongridiron.com. Um, it's usually out on, on Thursday night. So we'll have three more games to look at this week. And, uh, and yeah, hope you'll join us. Uh, I will. We're not Lovely. doing very well at pick, making picks on this podcast. So you might as well go and find a podcast that does, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be tuning in and stealing those. If you could do it on a Wednesday night before we normally record on a Thursday, I'd steal really your three picks and then just add three more into my six-team accumulator that we do on here, and that would work out quite nicely. And then I can blame you well, as well. I, I, I just, I just think it's an opportunity to test how quickly you can turn around your podcast. Mine will be out around about six o'clock, maybe a little bit earlier if you're lucky. Oh, okay. So no, we can listen, then, so we could do that. record, and then turn around and say, "Yeah, that. listen, record." Yeah, don't worry. Oh, we'll. Yeah, that will be my Thursday prep. Don't worry. Handed by Richard Grace. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rich, appreciate the time, mate, and uh, we will wrap up with our bets here and let you get out and uh, back to your evening, man. But always a pleasure to chat, buddy. No, it's always always a blast. Really enjoy talking football with you guys. Um, and what can I say, Ollie? Um, sorry about your Eagles, but not that sorry. Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew there was like some. Last I love the last little coming. dig. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> all twist of the knife. I love it. Yeah, the only man that makes victory Mondays for Philadelphia still hell, Richard Graves. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> See you Thanks, later, Rich. guys. Take it easy, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, buddy. That was fun. Right, I did well, want to ask about his fish and chips order, but I didn't have a time to get it in there. I mean. I'm assuming with his northern roots, it was a very strong fish and chip order that you approved. I mean, the fact that... Yeah, I could tell you it was definitely Yorkshire because he called them scraps. Scraps is a Yorkshire <clears> thing. It's batter in the northeast. Oh, really? Oh, I did not yeah. know that. You say, do you want batter on, is what I say. And they fucking well, yeah, I want, the fish, I want the fucking... fish battered. No, I want the fish battered. Do you want batter on? Yes, because that's how battered fish comes, please. I don't understand. Yeah, you ask for a cod and chips, it comes back. Yeah, no, no, no. Do you want batter on like the scraps of batter that come? Yeah, up? I know, but it's very confusing for somebody that's not used to this scraps thing. For well, it's to yeah, it's confusing when you go in and the first time you say, "Can I have scraps?" and like, "What the fuck are you talking about, son?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You know the bits of batter." Oh, you mean batter? You want batter on it? I want yeah, battered chips and fish. Scraps, as I know it, with Thank additional you. batter. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I think uh, he, by the record, I strongly believe. I'd put money on it. He'll enjoy the Scotch egg when it's made properly. Nice running end center. Yeah, I think he will as no well. Way, I, was surp- I, w- I was thinking he's been sold on the cold, like Tesco Saints- Sainsbury's out of a yeah, Scotch egg. Yeah, I yeah, agree. That's They're not terrible. the one. That isn't the one. Make it yourself. Yeah. Well, look, he'll come at me. You owe him money if not. So, uh... oh, hey, hey, I will stand by and you can happily re- put this in a message back to him. If at any point he ever goes to a, a pub that sells a Scotch egg, with a runny centre that's warm and hot and made there, and he doesn't enjoy it, I will refund his money to him through you. Happily do it. Sounds good. Without well, question. I, actually, I still Without owe Richard hesitation. Graves, I still owe Richard Graves uh, a lagerita after a bet at the uh, about one of the Super Bowls. I bet him. I'd lost some bet earlier in the year to him, and I went. Oh, that was it. I lost a bet because I said that this Bears drive that we were watching would finish in a Mitch Trubisky turnover, which it didn't. And I was like, damn it, okay, I owe you a beer for that. And then I went double or nothing and changed it, leveled it up to a Lagarita for Jimmy G would have a better QB rating but lose the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes. And I was very close to that until the 
turnover later on, unfortunately. So, so what is a Lagarita? A Lagarita is a margarita in a big glass, and then you stick three bottles of Corona, oh, Corona. upside down yeah, in the margarita, yeah, yeah. Okay. and then you drink it through a straw, and the beer goes into the margarita. Or Bud Light, I think they do it with as well. It's a very much a Florida man's drink, I believe. <laughs> but I, I do owe Richard yeah. Graves that. And that uh, sounds like any, a spring rage, doesn't it? And people should check out the uh, Graves on Gridiron podcast. It was doing very good numbers early on. I was uh, extremely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just quickly, Kyler Murray's day-to-day, the Packers we touched on with Rich, but Jazz wanted to get your thoughts on everything going on with, um, obviously, Aaron hey, Rodgers. And, like, is this another... Rodgers has had a weird chip on his shoulder anyway, and he's being more fiery and stuff, and he's being a bit more lethargic when he wants to be, like, when he's like, yeah, I'm just out here playing football. And then he's got that fire in him, like, the I own you when he was talking to the Bears fans and stuff like that. Is this another thing that you think gives another little chip on Rogers's shoulder. He's annoyed with the top heavy staff at the Packers. He will now be annoyed with some of the journalists, I'm sure. And it'd be interesting yeah. if he does a Pat McAfee show. I know you love a bit of Pat McAfee. He will. Next though. Tuesday, he'll be there, mate. So, so it will yeah. be interesting what gets said on that because Pat will want to ask him. Like Everybody's going to want to <laughs> ask him about why he lied about immunization and vaccine and stuff like that. So, And he'll have time, in fairness, to prepare for that. But it is just another little addition that might rile up in a good way Aaron Rodgers I think that we've all forgotten that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really care what anyone thinks I think we've just forgotten that he's just someone who just goes out does what he does and Mm. if he cares what people think he wouldn't be having to go at the management and the GM and the president and the team building and everything else like that all the time and as voraciously as he is because let's face facts he's not kind of hid his feelings about it the argument I was going to um, maybe make earlier was that although he keeps on saying things about the head office and the GM, how much of that is just a power play for him to get more ability to say we should have this player or that player and let me have a bit more control over what's going on because I'm the reason why the team works. Mm. And that's what they did. They they ceded some control to him, said, okay, you can choose a couple of players to come back or get rid of or something like that. So it's given them more kind of Peyton Manning-esque powers that he had in Indianapolis. So in terms of this stuff, I don't really think he cares. Um, he knows that if they lose a game this week because of that, well, it's not the end of the world. They're still doing well. They'll still be in the hunt for the number one seed or they'll at least win the division without question by the end of the year. Having Adams out this week is not great for Green Bay. I don't believe in Jordan Love, as I said to Rich earlier. And one thing I was going to mention but didn't get a chance to was that there's also another quarterback that came in during the Rogers era, who had a stonkingly great game against a decent Seahawks team, and that was I think it was the Seahawks they played. They went to the Seahawks, sorry, and that was Matt Flynn, mm. who was never to be heard of again because the same year that the Seahawks traded to get Matt Flynn, they also drafted a certain Mr. Russell Wilson. So doing well or excelling in a team where it's built around a passing game, and you've seen it done again and again and again with good receivers and good talent around you doesn't mean that you're actually going to be able to repeat that or replicate it in any any way, shape, or form. There you go. He used to be Ollie Ibsen. Love that. Um, so I don't know. I That's a really long-winded way of not answering the question. Yeah, thanks. So I, Yeah, you're welcome. I just I think Aaron doesn't care. That, I'm going back to my official thing. I don't think he cares. And they can say what they want. He's happy with what he does. Um, whether he uses a chip on his shoulder, I don't think he needs any more. But at the same time, I don't think he really has any. Cause I don't think, again, I just don't think he cares. Yeah, he what just do you knows think? he's... He just knows he's great. No, I can understand that, that he knows he's great. But I also think 
I think that does probably help. I think it probably just drives a guy like him because he got so annoyed with the media anyway uh, this season, didn't he? With the, is he going to leave or not kind of stuff. And he just kept yeah. on saying on his on his Pat McAfee show appearances, like, no, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Like, I want to be in Green Bay. And everyone's like, ooh, but what does that really mean? It's like, yeah. is it a power play, like you were saying? And it's like, no, he just... It definitely was, in my opinion. Well, if, say... if he doesn't care, then I just, I, I think there might be an aspect of, like, he knows he's really what people good. think he's about got, him or what the media everything. say. He's got everything he wants at Green Bay except for like the complete power that he wants, maybe with, with personnel decisions. But I think he should be smart enough to realise that he's probably never going to get that to the same extent yeah. as a Brady does or anybody. Yeah. Because people... It's different to Brady because people play with Brady for his personality as well. It's not just... I mean, the rings help, but people seem to want to be friends with Tom Brady. And we as a outside the locker room sort of public have had a chance to see perhaps why because when he's not under the Belichick thumb he is already like charismatic yeah, but if I was going to have bloke. a beer with one of the two of them I'm having a beer with Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> ooh well you wouldn't get a beer with Brady okay I'm not having any Tequila. if I had a choice between having any time with either one of them I'm picking Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers would be like would sit in a nice dive bar and you'd just have beers and chat crap Brady, yeah, but Brady, I think, could be really. I don't know. I think they'd both be fun. It's never going to happen. I just think that with Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> you could have a proper conversation. Not obviously kind of Tom Brady, but I think that because he doesn't take himself as seriously at all, I think you could have a good amount of banter with him back and forth without it being like, "Am I saying the wrong thing?" Where I think with Tom Brady, because of who he is, his stature, and his personality that you see around everything else, it just might be a case if you don't know him well enough, it's difficult to find that level. Brady turns up to the Hall of Fame. Uh, reception uh, to get his gold jacket still looking like an Adonis Rogers turns yeah. up with a bigger beard and maybe a bit of a gut coming through and he's like nah, oh, that boy yeah. will be skinny for the rest of his life maybe maybe he's in beer country at the moment though that's for sure um, what about the Saints quickly Michael Thomas out for the season Winston picking up his injury as well nobody here is a big Winston fan and saw by yeah. the way how close you were to the let's pile on Kirk Cousins 180 yards against the Dallas Cowboys I <laughs> yeah. saw that in your face I was we were talking. this close <laughs> yeah. I didn't because last time I had that conversation with uh, with Monsieur Graves he was uh, he, he, he defended Kirk Cousins I didn't appreciate it so I thought I don't want to I don't want to start another fight or another argument or another um, Kirk Cousins debate back and forth about Kirk Cousins because you guys know what I feel about him so yeah, no need I to. don't need to keep repeating it um, the thing with the Saints. Funniest thing I saw on Twitter or Instagram or something, a meme I saw was Sean Payton's gone five and two with Jameis Winston and Travis Simeon as quarterbacks. Drew B. Drew Brees was a system quarterback, which is the obviously nonsense, but mm-hmm. hilarious that they've broken it down. That you look at Belichick, Belichick and Brady, and they're saying that Brady, of course, was a system quarterback because he didn't do it with anyone else. I was shocked to see Trevor Simeon do as well as he did. And of course, we were sat watching the game. And I told you when the Saints got the lead in the last couple of minutes that, oh, it's fine. Brady will come back and win Brady this. Just wait. Yeah. I'm just going to wait for the odds to be correct. I'm going to pile a bunch of money on the Bucks. And then what does he do? He throws a pick straight away. Um, yeah. The Saints seem to be the, the kryptonite for the Bucks in some ways. Last year, of course, they lost twice in the regular season, but they, they that beat was the opening game in New Orleans. It was, it was yeah. the opening game in New Orleans as well, which was the Bucks. We're not sure what we're getting. Yeah, I think yeah. it was more surprising that the Bucks didn't see that out because this is a Bucks team that knows each other now really well, rather than it being like it's less of an excuse of what happened last year. But yeah. no Gronk, no Antonio Brown. 
you add yeah. those two into the mix, that's a different offense again. Not no taking nothing away from Tyler Johnson, taking nothing away from Cameron Bright and OJ Howard. They're also excellent players. They're just not Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. So you've got to take that into consideration when you break down that the Saints did very well against Brady, but full strength. Don't know if that carries on. And also without a QB, not saying that Simeon's not a QB or Taysom Hill can't. Taysom Hill can't do it. Taysom Hill can't do it. I I don't. He he looked bad. Look, I've already said million times. I'm a. I want to see a quarterback be able to stand in a pocket and make good decisions and throw well. Taysom Hill takes as long as Zach Wilson to get a ball out. Sometimes that's unacceptable to have a quarterback play at that level if (laughs) you're going to be as slow as Mike White. No, No. Mike White was. Not not as quick as Mike White. Sorry. Not as quick. No, Mike White was uh, was legit. Um, let's talk about that and let's talk about the bets for this week then jazz um so do you want to go first i will go first because i am (laughs) as we recording earlier than normal on a wednesday uh i have foolishly gone for the thursday night football game and the jets with a ten and a half point spread against the indianapolis colts i'm definitely taking i'm taking the cleveland browns to beat the cincinnati bengals I think okay. it'll be a come good week. The Bengals, a little shaky. Let's, let's taking, see how that meta goes for you, mate. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys to cover the spread against the Denver Broncos of nine and a half. I'm taking the Chargers to cover the spread against the Philadelphia Eagles of 1.5 because that seems very smart. Uh, I'm taking the Bills to cover the spread against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to put some faith in the Bills, that point scoring offense at 14 and a half points to uh, cover that. And I'm taking the Patriots to cover the spread against the Carolina Panthers at minus four, which gives me, with a little odds boost, a 67 to one bet. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll take that. I, uh, I am taking for... it. That's exactly yeah, what I'm Yeah, that's your bet. Uh, I made a bet uh, yesterday, but I didn't put it on. I thought I'd just get the selections in, and I'll save the picture, and I'll have a look at it. And one of them was the Packers to beat the Chiefs. I've now smartly removed that from the bet. Mm. I found it quite difficult this week. So I've taken the Texans to beat the Dolphins because the Texans are going to win a game somewhere. I I don't see any reason why it can't be against the Dolphins. I've taken the Panthers to beat the Pats because Sam Darnold won't see ghosts this time. I've taken the Chargers to cover the spread of minus one and a half against the Eagles. Taking the Jets like you did, plus ten and a half against the Colts. Taking the Vikings plus six against the Ravens because I think they can keep it roughly close. Mm. And Vikings I wasn't sure are, what to put. Go on. Vikings are just such a such hard a new charges, yeah. such yeah. a new charges. You don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And then I took the Raiders to beat the Giants because they're favourites, but not favoured by very much. And I think they'll have emotional reasons to play even more this week just to make sure they they have other bits and pieces of all the Henry yeah. Rugg stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I got a hundred and three to one on that. Ooh, tasty. Oh, I like that. So I like that a lot. Not as good no, as two hundred no, from last week. No points overs either. I like that. I don't see the problem with points overs is, but yes. Look, we'll uh, well, let's leave it there with our bets uh, this week. We'll be back actually later on this week because, as I touched on earlier, we do have a sit down interview with. Well, not sit down interview. We're all going to be sat down, I guess, but it's going to be done across Zoom. I mean, most of our interviews just sat down because no one's standing around. Yeah, I know. It just sounds better, doesn't it, in the business? I mean, it sounds great, but I mean, I think if you have a sit-down interview, you're actually in person with someone. Yeah, I might stand for this one actually on Friday as well. Oh, please do. It. I'd love to see that. Maybe a kneel-down interview. 
maybe a little knee. Mm, maybe um, not doing that. But yeah, we do have Brandon Copeland coming up this week. Thanks to uh, Whitney Holtzman for sorting that one out. Uh, so we'll have that coming out on Friday. Maybe Dave will have a bet by then. Um, and yeah, <laughs> we will. Probably not. We'll catch up on that.